Well, oh my God, that sounds so weird. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. I'm Carrie Doherty, and today we're doing another Golden Rewind, where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes way back in 2014, a decade ago. Oh my gosh. So this week, we asked the members of the GGVIP club to vote for this week's episode. We wanted to watch something that felt like it had kind of New Year's celebration slash resolution vibes. So it was between What a Difference a Date Makes, where Blanche was on a diet of sensible meals, Comedy of Errors, where Dorothy tries stand-up, and Dateline Miami, where Blanche definitely wants to kiss Rose when the ball drops. And the winner was season five, episode nine, Comedy of Errors. Can I tell you how happy I was when the Patreon GG VIP Club members voted on this? Because it is an episode that I love dearly. I There are moments in it that I think about often. However, I rarely watch it. Like it's one of the it's one of the few that aren't in like ro- regular rotation for me. I, are you that way too? Do you not watch this episode often? Yeah, you know this episode isn't in my regular rotation, but I think I have to put it in because I do too. It was so funny. It's it the, was so funny, and there are so many there are so many iconic jokes that we quote. You know, like the like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in your twilight years, like the, the joke. There are jokes in this sh- episode that that are canon, Golden Girls canon that like I didn't realize were from this episode, even though, of course, I did. It's just you don't think it's weird. You know, it all kind of meshes together when you do what we do. I so this episode first, I thought Sophia was so funny in this episode. So funny. Sophia is along for the ride and having a blast. Yeah. I also thought with this episode. There was a really great balance of, there were three stories happening. There was an A story, a B story, and a C story in this episode. There was Dorothy doing her stand-up, Rose's, you know, co-worker not liking her, and then Blanche being audited. And that's really hard to do with that kind of show because the Golden Girls is a lot like theater where the scenes are long. There's a lot of dialogue. But this, it, it didn't feel like a 30 Rock episode where everything was moving so quickly. It actually kind of worked. Yeah. And- so this episode was written by Don Rio. It was his only episode he ever wrote of the Golden Girls. So what I'm he, I'm assuming he was not on staff. I believe he was probably this was like a freelancer coming in who he like would go in and pitch an idea and be like this is my idea. Dorothy does stand up and they're like great and then he wrote it. Um so Don Rio, he we know him. He created Blossom Mm. He created the John Larroquette show, Love my wife show. and kids, the ranch mm. and uh, career wise. I looked and this episode aired in November of 98 blossom premiered in 1990. So oh. he was probably like on the cusp of selling blossom when How great would it be to get Don on the happened. show? How great what it, to get Don on the show on the on the podcast? Well, surely that's something that we could try. Let's do that. We should try. I've never thought about doing that. We should do that. That would be fun because this is such a unique. Let's make sure he's still with us. I mean, yeah, (laughs) I I probably should have looked that up beforehand. 
I also do want to mention if you are in our GG VIP club on Patreon, if you are in our $5 or $8 a month tier, which is actually less money if you pay yearly, uh, today you're also getting another Rusty Anchor Happy Hour episode where, like Dorothy, H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines and I go through our old school yearbooks and point out all of the cringe I'm yes. even going to show some photos. I don't know oh about you. Oh my god! I mean, I could, I could as well. Wow, that's wild. That's going to be wild. I cannot. It's going to be guys... wild, and this is why you know I, you know, I've been trying to do my outfits because now we have we do videos. So yes. I wore, um, I wore this delicious vinyl shirt with a with a plaid sort of flannelly thing over it because I am trying to feel like the '90s yeah. today, and, and I'm really if... making an effort. If you want to see something exciting from me every week, you can go to the Patreon. You can watch the full video of the podcast, and you can see me wear the same thing week in and week out. I have a uniform, and I don't stray from it, and I'm not ashamed of that. You know, you're... I am predictable in my own ways with mm-hmm. my structure. With I'm very structured with these episodes, but you are also predictable in your own ways, and I yes. appreciate that. We both bring stability to the table in some we way do. or another. We do. Now, I just looked up Don Rio, and IMDb says that he is still with us. So I think that might be a situation in which we need to we need to reach out to a Mr. Rio. Because this episode, this episode is so what I what would be interesting to talk to him about is that this episode, as you said, it like has these three storylines and it is, it's kind of weird in the whole like canon of sort of golden girls and all of the episodes in terms of structure, in terms of what happens. I mean, we rarely see Dorothy be as adventurous as she is in this episode to the point where she's doing stand up comedy, which is, I mean, it, for most people, it is one of the most terrifying things you can do. And it is really interesting. And I would never have thought to do an episode like this. So that's why I think it's, it would be really interesting to have a conversation with him because like, this is weird. I mean, the Blanche storyline is very typical Blanche and it's funny and it's silly. And the Rose storyline is also very typical Rose and it's funny and silly, but there's even like extra sets in this episode, like multiple extra sets in this episode and locations like mm-hmm. for, for a one-time writer on the golden girls, it's wild the budget that he got. Yeah, I mean, you figure the show's in what season five by now, so yeah. you know. But but yeah, I, I feel like if you were to if 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 I were in season five of the Golden Girls and somebody came in and they were like, "Hey, what if Dottie does stand up?" I would have been like, "Go on." Yeah, because you know, like Stan was saying, Stan Zimmerman, it's fun to put the women in situations that make them get out of their comfort zone, stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect from these women, and to see Dorothy do stand up that yeah. that to me is the perfect example of taking one of them and putting them in a situation that might be out of their comfort zone something new and exciting like well, what does it look like when Dorothy does stand up and she's but really good at it she's really good at it but that's what's so interesting about this is that like one of the things that i love about the golden girls is that it, what makes them so rare is that you often don't have to take them out of their comfort zone or out of a situation or put them into a situation to make them funny. They can just be funny eating cheesecake, t- telling stories and talking. You don't need them to 
be doing the things that I'm thinking of like on friends, like they don't need to be moving a couch, even though Sophia did, we, but we didn't see her move the couch. But no, thank like, God we didn't see her move the yeah, couch. Yeah, we didn't see her move the couch. But like, you, we don't need to see them moving the couch. We don't need to see them on a Everybody Loves Raymond weird adventure at like the Shriners spa situation, that one episode. Like we don't need to see those things because the characters don't need to be put into funny situations. The characters are just organically funny They're organically in what, funny in whatever they do which is why this is so interesting so i do want to dive in because we have so so much to talk about my yeah. my biggest question about the beginning of this episode so dorothy finds out that ellen colquist a friend of hers that recently moved to miami they were supposed to get together she but dorothy was like i learned she died of a heart attack last night and i was like yeah. how did dorothy find out so quickly <laughs> That she died well, of a heart you don't, attack. You don't think, I mean, because if she's calling, maybe someone who lived with her picked up and gave her the news. You know what I mean? Like, I guess. Because they're I planning, guess. they that were planning sense. to be together. So, like, she probably called and then it was obviously bad news, you know? That makes sense. So, Dorothy probably, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, wow, they would have notified the next of kin and then her old Well, high but Dorothy's, friend. I mean... <laughs> I was like, Dorothy's not the next of kin. No, but that's what I'm saying. I was like, well, that's yeah. it. But then, yeah, you don't know the situation, I guess. Yeah. So Dorothy is upset because, you know, she's realized not just Ellen, a lot of people from her graduating class aren't alive anymore. And I feel like that has to be a very relatable thing for people of a certain age. You know oh, I mean? yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, completely. I mean, it's one of the things that I talked with my mom about. And I mean, my mom is basically there's this eight her Dorothy's age in this episode essentially and and uh it is something it's a reality that you have to but even like you know me this year with my dad dying it's like there is a reality of sort of like that happens and it's scary and it's weird and so that must be kind of a bummer to like have that be something on your mind you know what I mean the person you yeah. might be going to Outback with might drop dead any day <laughs> yeah and I feel like it 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 really was a, you know, what I liked about this episode is it's not just Dorothy going like, oh, stand up. I want to try stand up. This is my new thing of the week. It no. is coming from, I think, a real organic place. You get to a certain age, people your age, people that you grew up with, they're, they're passing away and you start to go, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, wait, did I have I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish before yeah. I died? So there's I a nostalgic think that that element was... to it. There's yeah. a there's a nostalgic element of looking back at your life and wondering, which is what I'm so excited about for people to go to our Patreon and listen to our chat there about our high school years and, you know, our yearbooks is that there is this sort of looking back at the person you were and seeing the person you became and wondering like, did I do it right? Am I doing it right? Did I forget something? What did do I, I think? Where did I think I was going to be? Am yeah. I there? You know? Do I regret yeah. anything? Like things like that. And that's something that Dorothy's definitely grappling with in this episode, which is which is why as a stand-up comic and as someone who loves comedy, one of the things that I love about comedy is some of those really dark, deep, things those regrets from your past and the things you feel uncomfortable about and the things you want to process stand up is a great way to do it because you, know, <laughs> yeah. you got a mic and people are listening if you're good and you can complain as much as you want <laughs> i also thought it was kind of funny so dorothy pulls an old piece of notebook wait paper. <laughs> i think you just jumped right into the episode and we need to take a break before we get into the episode Carrie. oh okay yeah i was very <laughs> excited <laughs> We are back. 
So, okay. So I do need to talk about the piece of notebook paper. This is supposed to be at least 20 years old. I'm being kind. There was not a wrinkle or a fold on that paper. I was just like, prop master, <laughs> run it over with your bike in the parking lot. Yeah, Make drive it look. Over it wasn't it. even, it didn't have a single fold. So Dorothy's list uh, of the things she wanted to accomplish she wants to be rich before she's 21. Mm, nice. Not in today's, not in today's economy. No. <laughs> she wanted to be homecoming queen. Um, yeah. And as Sophia points out, you can still be homecoming queen. It'll just be a different kind of home. <laughs> Sophia made me laugh. Sophia so has all of the bangers in this episode. All, all of the them. bangers. Yes. Uh, and she wanted to entertain people. Uh, which, which is something that I think, going back to our Life of B. Arthur episode that you can listen to, you know, episodes ago. Um, it's something that like is sort of reminiscent of B. Arthur's life in that like she started off in a very simple kind of way with just sort of like blue collar parents struggling to get by. And I think Virginia it was. And and she made a decision after the military. We don't know the decision. We don't know what made her do it. But she made the decision to like at 27 to move to New York City and to be an actor. And like that for that time was very rare. So like this storyline kind of made me think of B. Arthur's storyline in a way too. Yeah. And I'm sure she resonated with it for that reason. That's a really mm -hmm. good point. I do want to point out, and we're going to play this moment in a moment because mm -hmm. it was, I don't know if you noticed this, the end of this part of the scene when the women move from the living room into the kitchen was very oh. bizarre to me because yeah. so Sophia has come into the living room. Mm -hmm. She has joined Blanche and Dorothy. Sophia has sat down. She has joined in on this conversation for a few minutes. And then she randomly just says, okay, it's time for dinner. And all three women walk into the kitchen and continue the conversation. But it's not like a kitchen timer went off. Like, oh, well, the has to be pulled maybe from the oven. she came. No, I mean, I get that because maybe she came in and it was mid conversation and she was just waiting for a natural ending point for her to then say, OK, let's go get dinner. Maybe. But the way in and this is why we're going to play it. But I feel like Sophia could have been like, well, anyway, that's nuts dinner's ready let's go because yeah. she goes okay it's time for dinner and then she goes into the kitchen and dinner's already out it's already yeah. ready like yeah. it just felt i don't know to me it just felt like it felt like the entire scene was written with the women in the living room and somebody mm. was like no this this is dragging we have to move them to the kitchen we have to give them some business to do the setting of the plates blanche making the salad sophia just standing at the stove like poking the lasagna <laughs> to me that's what it felt like and so they yeah. were like eh, just have sophia here say okay it's time for dinner um but i did want to again i love this episode i fucking love it it's great but i, I did want to play that moment because yeah i don't know maybe other people will think it's a little jarring on your list, Arthur. Uh, I wanted to entertain people. Oh, you an entertainer? <laughs> well, yes. I was in the drama club. I was also voted the most humorous girl in my class. She went to a special school for the dull. <laughs> I did not. Okay, it's time for dinner. Doctor, tell me something else that's on your list. An entertainer. <laughs> Entertaining people, getting my masters, and I wanted to sleep with Michael Del Vecchio. Mm, I want to know about Michael. I don't Del know. Vecchio. Is it just me? 
I mean, I, I mean, guess no, it's a little you're bit right. harder when you're just listening to it. But no, you're you are right. It it do, it is a jarring transition. It is not a natural transition. There was an easier way for her to do that. But that said, Sophia, this episode is all about the hell. So I feel like every line delivery needs to be delivered like a hell. Hell, yeah. A, a lot <laughs> of her lines feel like that. Also, um. Yeah. I like to imagine that Michael Del Vecchio is the son of Tony Del Vecchio, the man mm. who slept with Sophia after Blanche made her up to look like a 65-year-old drag queen. God, I would die. I would I die. said, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that always breaks I, my heart. I, I, wait, what does he say? I, I care about you, or I'm I, I'm very fond of you. Well, that's what Jean, I know that's what Jean says to Rose. Oh, that's I'm right. Quite, I'm quite fond of you. I think I th- he might say that, too. She goes, I love you. He says, thank you. But then he says something else, I feel like. Yeah, he may say I'm fond of you. Maybe too. on the Patreon, if you guys go join and we we list that episode, you vote for it. We'll find out this quote and we'll do that yeah. episode next. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, Rose also has a problem. Yes. Roger Barton, the man who works in the cubicle next to her, doesn't like her. Mm hmm. Do you and deal with that? Do you get do you do you struggle with like if someone doesn't like you, does it piss you off? Yes. Really? I care very much about what people think of me. I mean, I care about what people think of me, but I don't care if they don't like me. Like I'm not like unless it's someone I actually care about, like a good friend and they become an enemy, that is a problem. It really has not happened. Well, maybe it has. But it's more like when someone random doesn't like me. My favorite moment on this podcast ever was someone tweeted something about the podcast. I forget what. And Twitter, back before it was, you know, Musk's stank, um, suggested the tweet to me. I wasn't tagged in the tweet. I think it maybe out on the line I was. I forget. But I saw it, and she and in the tweet, they said, H. Allen Scott is insufferable or something, like or insufferable, like something bad. And I was like, I know, I hate him. He's the worst. And the way they were like, I never thought you'd saw that. I'm so sorry. I love the podcast. I love, like, it was so, it just shows you that, like, when there's hate in the world and people do those things, it often isn't coming from a malice place. It's just someone tweeting something ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like if it was, I wouldn't go to the lengths that Rose would go to. I wouldn't yeah, try to befriend that person, either. but it would bother me and I'd want to know why. Like, what is mm. it about me? I would just have a hard time with would it. Would you send me to figure out why? To find out why? No, probably not. Mm. I would just like, I would just I, feel uncomfortable around that person. I would do that for you, though. Well, that I appreciate. I mean, yeah. I've been in situations, like when I first moved here and I was a writer's assistant on shows, there were... You know, there were female writers who were mean to me, like who did not treat me well. And that was like mm. hard to deal with. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. One thing I will say. I was like, we're women. Meanness has no gender, sexuality, race or nationality. Everyone can be an asshole. Everyone can be an asshole. That's what I was yes. going to say. And yeah. Rose is going to fix her situation by buying Roger Barton a new dog to replace his dog that just died. A this horrible is decision. a bad idea on yes. so many levels. Like that no. is don't do no. It. You don't do, do not it. do that. I feel like we don't have to say why, but you do not do that. No. But on the upside, Rose's proactive attitude has inspired Dorothy to do an open mic night at the comedy barrel. <laughs> yuckety yuckety yuck. 
Um, That's the commercial for the Comedy Barrel. That's how they end them. So come on down to the Comedy Barrel. Yuckity, yuckity, yuck. <laughs> yuckity, yuckity, yuckity. So the Comedy Barrel is definitely in the South. You know, so, this episode also, I, mm-hmm. and fans of this episode will, will I well, fans of this other show will remember this, is very similar, sort of, to a storyline on Mama's Family when Vinton, Mama's son, signs up to do a stand-up comedy night at the local Comedy Barrel and he bombs. He's horrible. And then Mama has to go up there and save the day. And she just riffs sort of like Dorothy does and just and she kills it. And and she's just really popular. She's just a great stand-up. So Does her son similar. get upset or jealous or is he happy for her? I don't remember that because it's Mama's family. Who cares about anyone else, right? <laughs> well, also remember, you just reminded me on the Golden Palace, mm-hmm. Blanche's son. It was a bad episode, but Blanche's son comes to visit and he's like, I want to do stand up, Mama. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, they did have some good ones, but I don't recall that one being one of them. The next day, Rose gets a visit from her coworker, Roger, played by Oliver Clark who is not very happy with the pet that Rose has given him. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. First of all, I have to say Oliver Clark, I thought he did such a good job job. in this episode because he was playing a character who, that was like a delicate dance he was doing. He wasn't Mm -hmm. being outright mean to Rose. He was sort of trying to create boundaries. Right. Yeah. I just, I really appreciated his performance because I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I definitely, I couldn't blame him. I wasn't ever upset with him. I just, I felt bad for Rose, but yeah, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. So Roger's a dog person. Rose has given him a cat. Now you are a cat person. I am a dog person. Well, there is no overlap for me. Okay. You're an animal person. Yeah. There is little, little Oriel says animal. I mean, I, I am, I am not, the only reason, I mean, I have, I'm very much in love with Fraser, of course. However, it's, I couldn't get a dog when I lived in the other apartment. Like the apartment building wouldn't allow dogs. And so, but I, I'm an animal person and I needed a pet. And I see. So you're so, not actually a cat person over a dog person. I'm an all animals person. I will love any animal if the animal's not an asshole. And just right. like, you know. Right. But like. But between a cat person or a dog person, do you tend to favor one more than the other? Just cats and dogs. Let's leave every well, other animal. If we're out talking of it. about people that I would rather hang out with, I would say dog and this is gonna be controversial, but dog people are fucking annoying. They but dog that people that wasn't the question I asked. Well, no, but this is the question. This is the question. Because if I am an animal person and I can love all animals and I can be both spirits, if you will, dog spirit and and, and cat spirit. And if I have to choose to put my lot in with one or the other crowd, I'm going to choose cat people because to me, they are less annoying about their pets because dog people, they go into baby voices with their dogs. They, their, their lives revolve around getting home to walk their dog and take their dog out and do the things with their dog. And then every Christmas card has their dog in it and everything has their dog in it. And it's just like, it becomes a personality for boring people. I'm going really hard into dog people right now. <laughs> you are. I'm a dog person. Well, I'm just saying. I don't even I'm... send out Christmas cards. See, then that's great. That's that's great because you're not that type of dog person. I'm just saying that if I had to hang out with cat people or dog people, I'm going to choose cat people because they tend to be more independent. 
All right. Well, this this part of the conversation did not go as anticipated for me. So I'm going to get hate. I'm going to get so much hate. You are. I'm going to and I'm going to leave you out on that. And this is like the beginning flow. of the episode. This is the beginning of the episode. I don't oh, care. Oh, I thought you went and that's the episode. No, this is like, this no, is this is, this is what we talked about the thing. I don't care if you don't like me. Come at me, mama. <laughs> you I feel like you are tonight i just know i would be as a dog person i would be very upset if somebody gave me a cat oh yes of course um, i would be upset i would probably be upset if they gave me a dog too but not as upset because again boundaries so yes yes so roger is you know he's being very honest about his feelings towards rose respect mm-hmm. meanwhile we're back to Blanche's IRS story. Remember the IRS story? Blanche is being mm-hmm. audited. I can't remember. We sort of mentioned it. You guys yeah. all know. You've seen the episode. Yeah. I also like that um, a few seasons earlier was when Dorothy and Stan were audited. Mm-hmm. But Blanche is stressed because she can't find any of her receipts. And that it's a really funny exchange between her and Dorothy that I, I would love to play. Do I'm meeting with my accountant tomorrow. He said to bring everything. You better include a cake with a file in it. Where are your receipts, Blanche? I always thought you only needed a receipt if the dress you bought didn't fit. It's no good at this. Yeah, that's beginning to shine through. It was so much easier when I was married. I'd buy something expensive. George would yell at me. I'd put on a see-through nightie, and that'd be the end of it. <laughs> Why can't the government work that way? According to the newspapers, a lot of times it does. We all saw the Senate twink. I'm just saying. <laughs> Why can't the government work that way? I love what they're wearing in this scene. Dorothy yes. has this like gorgeous green long sleeve shirt that mm-hmm. it. I can't tell if it has a wrap element, but there's this mm. gorgeous gold pin or brooch. It looks like it'll be the logo for the next Hunger Games movie. It's mm. beautiful. And then... Blanche is wearing this powder blue. I'm terrible. To, is it like a bomber jacket? I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, but I don't really know how to describe it either. But it's really outfit, cute. It looked really cute. It felt very like geometric and 80s futuristic. Yeah. And then Sophia comes in. And this is where we get the Martha Ray and Madge joke that I had to Google. Did you have to Google this? I well, No, I didn't. I did not Google it. But I Okay. But... Sophia comes in. And she goes, Dorothy, have you seen my teeth? And Dorothy's like, they're in your mouth, Ma. She goes, I know that. Don't they look good today? I ran them through the dishwasher. And Dorothy says, Ma, listen to me. You got Martha Ray and Madge mixed up again. And I, a lot of times when there are, there are joke references with topical humor, I'm like, oh, I can kind of get the context of this. I had no idea. So... I, I found the answer on Reddit because another Ooh. Golden Girls fan was like, what does this mean? Martha Ray did commercials for denture cleaners and oh. Madge was a character in dish soap commercials. Martha Ray, the singer, right? I assume so. Yeah. I, let me look up what Martha Ray did. I, I'm, I will so. also say, if you're ever in this predicament... At Golden Con, I met a man named Matt Browning who wrote a book of every topical Golden Girls reference yes. called the Definitive Golden Girls Reference Guide, and you can get it. We need to get Matt on the podcast. I've talked to him before about this. We need to get oh, him we on. should. Then let's do. Let's get. Let's get Matt. Let's get Don, Don. Rio. Yeah. Let's so get many cats. People. Let's get dogs. Let's get the IRS. Just not dog people. <laughs> 
So I, again, Sophia slayed me in this episode. Dorothy's working on her jokes and she tries one out on Sophia. She's like, you know, it seems there was this doctor. And Sophia's like, it seems, it seems, what is this existentialist humor? That's a, that is one of those things that like, like I would never try out a joke randomly on some, like someone not in a room, not on a stage, even with a, com mm. I mean, maybe with a comic, maybe, but even then you need an you need just to do it. You have to get up and do it. Like you can't, you really don't know until you do it. And if you're a good yeah. comic, you do kind of know if it's going to work or not, but you know how to like, you want to navigate it. You know what I mean? So like Sophia is the worst audience to try out. Yeah. Jokes and she also likes to, you know, she likes to give Dorothy a hard time. She likes to river. Yeah. Uh, and then again, th this, this felt like a little bit of a bizarre act break moment for me. It didn't really feel like an act break. There was like no new information learned. There was no like <gasps> moment. Dorothy just goes, look, Ma, this is really important to me. And I could fall flat on my face. And then that's kind of the act break moment. Yeah. I was Again, like, oh, weird okay. episode, but fun. But fun, but fun, still fun. I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm just, again, as a TV writer, I'm just pointing these things out. These are mm -hmm. from, from my perspective. I, I, I like to look at that through that lens. Um, so Dorothy has put together a tight five, which yeah. that actually, I'm like, how long did it take her to do that? Cause I feel like for a lot of standups, it actually takes, how long would it take you to put together a tight five? Oh, not long. Really? Not long at all. No, no. I, no, five wouldn't take long. 30 takes a while. Oh, sure. Um, but, but five is a pretty standard set. I mean, that's what, that's what you do at, uh, like, you know, entry shows and, when you're doing sort of like Barker shows and like those kind of things. Um, five. Will you explain to the audience what a Barker show is? Yeah, which I yeah. hate them and I would never I do know. them. Um, I never did them. I walked out of those shows. But, uh, and they, I don't know if they happen in LA, but in New York and other major cities, they um, have shows where in order for you to perform, you have to go out on the street and hand out flyers and stuff to get people to come in. And the alternative to a barking show, and that's called barking, like you're a dog barking on the street, hey, making hey, people bro, to come in. Come to yes. the show, come inside. Um, yeah. Again, dog people. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, and this is why I'm the stand-up. <laughs> no, but like, you see what I mean? That like, there, there's, a, there's another version of it where you, and this is the other thing that I think I did do a few of these in New York, where you have to, in order to do the show, in order to perform on the show, you have to get 10 people to come to the show. So you beg your coworkers and your friends and your family to come out. And oh my God, I am so grateful I was not disowned by so many friends because I feel like I had many of those shows. But they make you, they get you to that 10 minutes. 10 minutes is really the hard one. So look at that. See, I was glad that, I'm glad we did this episode. I knew you were going to have some really fun insight on being a stand-up. Because five minutes is really just three jokes. If you, I mean, unless you're doing like punchline jokes, they're, most comics don't do punchline jokes. So like, it's like really just three jokes. Like one-liners, a, like a Mitch yeah. Hedberg kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, regardless, Dorothy has her tight five. Sophia says her act stinks. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, but, but Dorothy is still plowing through. Yeah. Meanwhile, as she should take no one else's advice, just get up there and do right. your jokes, girl. You know what that's I mean? That's right. I mean, respect yeah. for trying it out in a living room setting in front of your mom. <laughs> uh, respect. Yes. So Blanche returns. She just met with her accountant in the most stunning blue dress. Oh, yeah, I know. And she has uh, some news to share. And I do want to play this moment because Sophia's joke is this so is great. great here. I laugh yeah. so hard. 
Anyway, I got good news from my accountant. I'm being audited Tuesday. Oh, lucky you. Oh, but Dorothy, you don't get it. Oh. My accountant reminded me that I've been audited before and I've never had to pay a penny in back taxes. I have a way with auditors. The last time I was audited, I got money back from the government. <laughs> Blanche, it's not a refund when the auditor leaves two 20s on your nightstand. <laughs> I, it's, oh, so the good. joke is so funny. Blanche, the way that she kind of sits and plays with her dress and yeah. I don't know. And her accent is just on fire. It's, She's very, cause I mean, the great thing about Blanche's storyline in this episode, I love when Blanche is the B story because oftentimes it allows Blanche to be so campy so over the top, so absurd that we often don't get from Blanche when she's when it's a main storyline from Blanche. Mm -hmm. And so like she sort of relishes in the moments of and you she really is giving you May West being audited. Why don't you come up and see me sometime, Mr. Auditor? You know what I mean? Like yes. she is fully in the camp mode and I love it. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's yeah. I just I love it. So meanwhile, before we Rose... go on, oh, we yes. need to take a little bit of a break because I need to Google Mae West more. I need to re I need to look up some good Mae West quotes. Do it. And we're back. Enjoying... And a hard man is good to find. <laughs> we're enjoying a piece of Scandinavian friendship cake. <laughs> oh, Rose. So Rose is not going to give up on roger and this the story that she tells breaks my heart because she said as a young girl at the orphanage she realized that the nice kids got adopted first yeah and that's hard it, oh god it broke my heart and rose says if you treat people nicely they'll want to take you home but because this is the golden girls and they're like i'm going to take a heartfelt moment and 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 end it on a joke we have blanche who says i've always found that to be true which is a great joke i mean it was great it is it's it's really great but the whole orphan storyline they reminded me so because my mom was adopted and spent a long time in an orphanage so like there is sort of it really pulls at me when you when you hear that from someone who is as nice as Rose, you're like, oh, my God, of course, it all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. And someone who even after all that could still have such a positive outlook on yeah. life because that is Rose. She doesn't have a sarcastic bone in her body for the most no, part. No. So, yeah. Except for that just... hypersexual bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those moments. Yeah. So, yeah, it just made me love Rose even more. Mm -hmm. So she goes to visit Roger with the cake and he basically tricks her into leaving him alone. Yeah. And again, I cannot blame him. He could well, have been This is what I wanted to say cruel. about him here is that he actually was considerate of Rose. He was empathetic for Rose here because yeah. he figured out how Rose works and he was able to get what he needed. He set his boundary and was able to get what he needed, but in a respectful way, which is, I think... I kind of love this guy. Yeah, he he set his boundary. Rose wasn't respecting it. But again, he I think yeah, I think he felt he felt for her. I think he hmm. he was sympathetic to what she was going through. So he's like, "All right, I'm I'm going to just try I'm going to try to do this in a way that I think will work for her." Yeah. And so and he does and it is, you know, "Bye, pal." Like yeah. it's yeah, it is. It's so sweet. It's just it was I liked fun... it. And the way she the way she says, I mean, if you're if, if you're watching on Patreon or you can go to Patreon, you can watch this right now. She does this sort of like goodbye with her face where she's kind of like, yeah, 
Yeah, like when he leaves and she's just in the elevator being like, bye, buddy. Yeah. Like she's yeah. looking to an audience to be like, I know, right? I'm good. Everything's I good. It. I did like, it. It's that was it. so, that's what, that's what it's it so cute. It's so cute. Yeah, it was very sweet. And then we're at Dorothy's open mic night. Ooh, we're, we're at we're the not, comedy barrel. Except if you no. really squint your eyes and look at the sign, the neon sign, the place is called the Laugh Shack. Well, maybe they're under new ownership and they comedy clubs don't make much money. Um, well, they do. It's just people steal the money that they make. <laughs> and they then don't use the money in appropriate ways. And yeah. It's all problems. I was just impressed that there was a green room. I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, I guess it's like a proper comedy club. So the green rooms probably exist for like the bigger acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did, I did appreciate the extras, a bunch of comedians in 80 suits pacing around looking at their little notebooks. Can we talk about before, like the comic before Dorothy goes up and how, Oh, Dirty Dicky Hurts? Yeah, and how his jacket, again, go to the Patreon if you want to see the video of this, how his jacket is just sort of like hanging off of him. Like, and he's just, he's just telling his jokes, like, you know, with shoulders out, like doing his thing. It was, it was so 80s, but at the same time, it was so gay, but he wasn't gay at all. (laughs) He was presenting as pretty butch, like pretty masculine. Yeah, but, but, but the coat was presenting as, Meryl Streep from Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> or the way she wears the purple shawl and death yes. becomes her when she wears the black like bodysuit. Yes. I was actually, I we should ask Marsha Posner-Williams this. Mm. I was surprised. I know she wasn't on the show at this point that Standards and Practices, S&P, did not ding them for having a character named Dirty Dicky Hurts. That's pretty great. I can't believe they got away with that. Hey, they were in a new era. It was 1990 at this point, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Was it? And and Or they were on the cusp of it, if they were. So it was like, 89. 89. The Simpsons had just come on TV. Things were more relaxed. Maybe. Maybe. I was just a little surprised. But I thought it was... I was like, well, they got away with it. Mm-hmm. So Dorothy's stand-up set. I love it. Do you think she obviously starts off a little shaky yeah. and then she kind of loosens up and she has fun. Do you think she was winging it or do you think she had some of that? Was that her planned set? Oh, no, I think we're I mean, I think we're meant to believe that she just sort of start. I mean, that's sort of the thing. She had jokes written and then you realize I mean, even even every time I've bombed, and I've bombed a bunch, um, but even every time I've bombed, I, I recognize I bombed because I was focused more on the material than I was just having fun and just talking. And I think we're meant to believe that that's what she does, that she has this material and we see at the beginning of it, it's not going well. And then she's just like, well, fuck it. I'll start talking about my roommates and the people in the crowd and, and start working on the room. And that's kind of how you, that's kind of, for me at least, how I've always done is like, I always start with sort of working the crowd and sort of having, I usually have an introductory joke and then I sort of work the crowd because I want to get to my material, but I want, I want the crowd to be kind of with me at the same time. You know what I mean? And I, it's that dance that you do of riffing and then the jokes, and a little bit of riffing and you comment on something crazy that happens and, or someone's reaction or whatever it is. And so I think we're meant to believe that that's what she's doing. Yeah. I, I agree, because I think, I mean, the only joke I think we heard before was the 
it seems there was this doctor joke. So yeah, I think you're right. She was probably just sort of doing more observational or whatever, like walks into a bar humor. Help! Call 911! I know. I think I, I pulled that moment. Yeah. Let's just play it. We have yeah. to play it. We have to play oh. it. Now I'm like, which one is it? I don't know which one it is now. <laughs> with the guys here in Miami. They simply cannot say those three little words, quick, call 911! So God. <laughs> so that's who I am, a substitute teacher with hot flashes who still lives with her mother who heckles her. And I want to thank you for finding my life more amusing than I do. Tonight, thank you. Can I, can I share? I don't know why this, this moment made me think of this moment in my stand-up career. Um, but I remember I got booked on a show in on, Ontario. Like right, right below Long, not Long Beach, right below uh, Santa Barbara or something. Whatever that community is. And in California here. And it was a show, it was a queer show, it was a fundraising sort of show, but it was, it was, it was for pride something. And so I knew the audience and I went in thinking like, well, I knew the audience and that they're queer. So I went in thinking like, oh, I'm gonna do fine. I mean, these are all queer people. Like I'm gonna do great. Like this is, these are my people. Of course, my, my material is meant for these people. And I get in to the room and I'm not a nervous person, really. I like, you, you know that about, even with performing, like I'm not one to sort of stress out about things when I'm performing. I'm just sort of like, let's go. It'll be great. We'll figure it out. And so I wasn't nervous. And then I see the crowd and it was like, it was like they intentionally separated themselves between gay men and lesbians. And, and, and the room was split. It was like in a restaurant and there was probably like 200 people in this audience. And, and it was one side was all women and one side was all men, mostly bears. They all were very hairy. It's and like a seventh grade school dance. It was kind of, yes. And I looked at the crowd like, what is happening? Did they do this? Did they did were they seated this way? Like, what's going on? And they say, no, it's just how they how they <laughs> sat themselves. And so I'm like, okay. So I go thinking, like, I'm probably gonna do better with the bears. I'm thinking, like, that's probably good. They're gonna see the gay dude on stage. They're probably gonna get those jokes more, whatever. I get up there, I'm doing some jokes related to the bears and i'm recognizing that they don't want me at all they are i am the least they are not i am not their type they don't want me but the lesbian side was getting it so i started to make fun of the bear side and then the lesbians started laughing and then i started to make fun of the lesbian side and the bears then started to laugh and it was like this weird orchestra of me laughs on one side laughs on the other it was like the state of the union address when only half the people applaud for the president like the republicans right. and democrats and stuff that's what it felt like it was the weirdest show i have ever done in my life and i didn't bomb but i didn't do great either it, it was sounds like you rolled with the situation pretty well well i don't know it was the weirdest so I don't know why this made me think of that, but I shared the story anyway. I would pay money to have been a fly on the wall at that show. I think there's video of it because I've, I saw on someone's page not long ago, like, and I was like, oh, whoa, I remember that. Yeah, it was. Oh, you have, if you find it, we will I'll post find it, it in the show notes. If you I'll find look for it. it. I don't know where, I, I feel like I've seen it recently, but it was a wild show. It was a wild show. All right. Well, we'll look for it. Yeah. We will definitely look for it. 
So there, there is another moment that I do want to play. It's after Dorothy has done her amazing stand-up set. Yeah. Sophia has some new, fresh joke ideas for Dorothy. And <laughs> I... <laughs> I laughed so hard at her it's joke It's so pitch. good. It's so good. It's so good. Let's let us play it. Once again, I've been working on some jokes for your act. <laughs> why did Rose throw the alarm clock out of the window? I don't know, Ma. Why? Because she's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I got a million of them. What, what's so funny about it is that, like, <laughs> like I mean, whenever <sighs> you do well on stand-up, people then will just start giving you material they, that they think is funny. And they're all like Sophia in that way. And you're like, who's Deborah? Why am Why is this supposed to be funny? It's, I could not. What I loved about that moment with Sophia is the delivery was so sharp. She might as well have just said, because she's a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was so sharp and, and she was so pleased with herself. Yeah. I really, you could tell Estelle Getty was just having a ball this week. Yeah. She was like, oh, I don't have any big speeches. I don't have to tell a picture at story. I don't have to give <laughs> advice. I can just be funny and have these like kind of short little one-liners. I feel so like good. it was so, so good. Because she's a moron. <laughs> and she's like, ah, ah, I love it. So... Dorothy Dorothy tells um, Sophia she's done with stand-up. You know, mm. what she realizes, you know, is a substitute teacher. She's doing exactly what she dreamed, you know. And she says, doing stand-up was like having sex with Stan. I was nervous before it, felt pretty good during it, and I'm absolutely thrilled that I'll never have to do it again. hey Hey-o! I'm like, look at that. There's there's yeah. your joke. Yeah. Um. So Blanche, I, I love how they wrap this up. The black and white silk nightgown and robe and heels she is like this. ready for a good time she is so ready for that auditor she looks so sexy yes and i love the auditor shows up of course it's a woman and she's like come on in i'll get my checkbook <laughs> <laughs> and that is the episode i also like how they made because the, the woman is like dorothy spornak level tall yeah and they literally have her walk through that 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 living room like she's a linebacker. Like I feel, even feel like she was holding the briefcase in a way that was like very much like I got this, you know. <laughs> it was. It reminded me of um, in Ladies of the Evening when Blanche mm -hmm. is like, "Oh, I'm going to use my sexuality to get us out of here," and she's like, "Excuse me, handsome or whatever," and the guard turns around and it's a woman. Yeah. I just such I a wish fun that... episode. Oh, it was such a fun episode. It was so fun. It was, yeah. like I said, very impressive that, um, you know, there were those three storylines and none of them felt rushed or anything. They all just kind of felt perfect, the perfect mm -hmm. length for what they were. And mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. And I'm so glad that this is the episode that um, everybody voted on because... Yeah. Yeah, so this kind of felt like our a Patreon. perfect New Year's episode. Yes, go to patreon.com slash golden girls podcast. Yeah, so right? much fun happening. I believe there, so. that is the URL. It's linked places. Um, should we take a break and come back with our golden takeaway? Yes, I think we should. Oh my god, okay. Hey. 
And we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Uh, because she's a moron. That just, didn't. That wasn't quite. No. Yeah. That didn't work. But do I'm you want to? Would you like to take it back and try? Oh no, wait, hold on. No. Do you, do you I want to take it back. Do you, do you see that back there? You're getting the red light. You're getting the light. Oh. I think you're. Oh. I think your time oh. is up. Yeah, you think you think I was able to perform at comedy clubs that had the red light. It was always someone with a cell phone showing their light in the back of a corner being like, you know, five minutes. I, I will tell you as someone who I'll just make this part of my golden takeaway. I did. So there is a lovely sort of Venn diagram in the New York City community of stand ups and storytellers. Mm -hmm. And often our paths cross at shows when you get, you know, you might get a five minute slot, you might get a 10 minute slot. Uh, and I always felt so nervous telling stories at stand-up shows because Why? because I feel like people, even though it was comedic storytelling, I think I was always worried that there was an expectation of, oh, I'm going to just be getting jokes, 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 jokes. Mm. And then I come out and I'm like, I'm going to tell you a five and a half minute, five and a half minute story about the time I caught 32 mice in my apartment in less than two weeks in Brooklyn. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was always a little nervous, but I, I haven't done it in a long time. But I feel like my golden takeaway is that. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't think I want to. I don't have time. I'm going to say my golden <laughs> takeaway. I didn't plan today's. I'm winging wow. it just like Dorothy, isn't yeah. it? Ain't I a gas? <laughs> uh, I will. I, here's what I will say. I will say, um, if you are going to go to a storytelling show and you live here in Los Angeles, I mm. highly recommend going to see Risk. It's yeah. a live show. It's been a show. It's been around forever. It's We've a both podcast. done it. A bunch We've of both times. done it, hosted by um, Kevin Allison yep. from the state, uh, where people tell the uh, boldest the, the stories they thought they'd never share with people. And I oh, talked about having I've... like a wild chapstick addiction in my twenties. <gasps> that that is the wildest. You have chapstick out right now. Wait, I have chapstick too. Oh my god, what's yours? Mine's Burt's Bees peppermint. Mine's Burt's Bees tinted. Oh, tinted. Mm. Should we pucker? into the well if you're on the video you both you just watched us both apply chapstick so if that's your kink you're welcome we got you we got you yeah what no is your risk is takeaway? risk is a fantastic show and i i i what i loved about <laughs> my i had a joke in my stand-up set about storytelling shows in new york city um because i found every storytelling show i did as a stand-up every single storyteller would have a moment in their story in which they would go. And then I realized, uh -huh. and then, and then I recognized, and then it's always, and that's the moment that it, and that's the moment. And there's always that. And it's so interesting because as a standup, I don't feel the need to have that. Like, I don't feel the need to have that even in a story. You know what I mean? Cause I'm going to pepper you with material in the story. And so it's so interesting that they rely on that. And I, I love it. I love it. Um, my golden takeaway. My golden takeaway from this episode is for people to do something scary. Because I think the things that we often don't want to do or we're afraid to do, like our taxes or like recognizing that not everyone's going to like us, 
or maybe trying a new skill or activity or thing that is unfamiliar to us. I think it's actually really healthy to do. I, I think the whole idea of being sort of a little scared about something is kind of just like the universe telling you maybe you should look into it unless someone's coming at you with a knife and then be scared and run the other way. But other than that, you know, lean into the scary things, the safe, scary things. Lean into the safe, scary things. I'd like to now quote a line from Little Oreo's book called mm. Little Faces, Big Feelings. Oh. And it says... You just had this handy? I know it because we read it all the time. Okay. <laughs> Being brave doesn't mean you're not afraid. Mm. Even though things feel scary, we try them anyway. That's so true. Like like broccoli. Broccoli is a terrifying food. I don't know that I agree. You don't think so? Because if you think, like, A, there are so many levels of terror involved in broccoli. If it is hard, it's hard, so that's scary. But if it's not hard and you're, you're eating the head of the broccoli, then you got those little leaves that could get stuck in your teeth. And then during the entire conversation, you got broccoli teeth. You know what I mean? And you don't know it. And it's a lot, most people won't tell you. And so that's scary. Like, it's actually a terrifying food. It's very scary. I think we maybe need to reevaluate our friendship. <laughs> I mean, I love broccoli. Don't get me wrong. I'm only going to eat it in certain company, though. Oh, wow. Hey, everyone. This has been another <laughs> riveting episode of Out on the Lanai. Thank you all so, so much for listening. And again, if you want to check out our uh, GG VIP club, you can go over to patreon.com slash golden girls podcast, where for as little as $5 a month, you get one bonus weekly episode of the Rusty Anchor Happy Hour. We've been getting some really fun feedback on that. And uh, you can get so much more stuff. Just go check it out. There's also one-time purchases that you can get. You can yeah. buy video messages from me, from HL and Scott, from Sadie Pines. It's mm -hmm. There's so much great stuff. Even if you just want to join and be a free member, mm. that's great too. We've got, yeah. we'll, you know, we'll post things for everyone on there every once in a while. And thank you to everyone who um, has supported us by becoming a member. We really appreciate it. And we will see you all back here next week for more Golden Girls Greatness. And you guys, remember that we are a part of Mom, Moguls of Media, so go support Mom Plus. And also you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, out on the Lanai Official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines on everything. And I am Squid Eat Squid on Twitter and Squidzy on Instagram. And if you have a moment and you want to do something else nice to support the podcast, you can leave us a rating and a great review wherever you pod. I'm going to keep that one shorter today. Oh, that's nice. I mean, do go. It's a new year. And if you haven't given us a review, we really, it really, 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 really does help us. So please go give us a little rating and review. Do it for the new year. It's a new yeah. you. New review. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember, as always, stay, stay golden. golden. <laughs> Out on the Lanai is not endorsed by Wit Thomas Harris Productions, Touchstone Television, Disney, or any of its subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips of the Golden Girls are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. 